This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. For today, mostly sunny, high near 68. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 54. Mostly cloudy Friday with a chance of rain, high near 64. Efforts to secure an Endicott residence with a history of criminal activity hasn't been working. Last Friday, police ordered the occupants of the house at 1000 Monroe Street to leave the building after a lockdown law hearing was held in Broome County Supreme Court. Village officials said the property had been a source of many police calls over the past year. The reported incidences included shootings, a stabbing and fighting, along with the distribution and use of illegal drugs. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said although the house was boarded up as part of the lockdown process, people have been sneaking into the place. She said the first incident of trespassing occurred the day after occupants were directed to leave. Village Public Works crews are installing more plywood to the house to try to better secure the property. The mayor said it's getting to be a real problem. Mountains of trash still fill the backyard, the garage, and part of the driveway at the Monroe Street property. Jackson said village workers will remove the debris outside the house, although that job may not start until next week. The Broome County Health Department has taken another step to keep both students and staff of Broome County Schools and licensed daycares healthy and safe. With assistance from grant funds provided by the New York State Department of Health, Health Research Incorporated, BCHD, purchased and delivered over 1,300 standalone air filters for classrooms. By placing these air filters in classrooms, potential exposure to airborne viruses, especially during the colder months when viruses tend to spread more, can be reduced significantly. The air filters provided are high medical-grade HEPA, Units designed to eliminate airborne contaminants, including various respiratory viruses. With the existence of a variety of viruses and the flu to the common cold during the fall and winter seasons, the BCHD says these filters will play a vital role in minimizing exposure to respiratory viruses. New York State has banned facial recognition technology in schools. The announcement by Education Commissioner Betty Rosa yesterday follows a report that concluded the risks outweigh potential security benefits. Lawmakers earlier banned facial recognition while awaiting results of a state analysis weighing the pros and cons. Issued last month, that report cited the potentially higher rate of false positives for people of color and noted that most school shooters have been current students who would not necessarily have been stopped. Schools can decide on their own whether to use other biometric technology, such as digital fingerprinting. Reds Kettle Inn on CFJ Boulevard closed suddenly in July after the owner of the business was seriously hurt in a vehicle crash. In a Facebook message posted two months ago, the owner wrote that he was dealing with the after effects of a severe concussion. He said he was suspending the restaurant's operations with a heavy heart, but added, I will be back. It might take some time, but I'm chopping at the bit to get back to cooking for all families, wonderful friends and customers. A sales representative with Exit Realty Front and Center said the restaurant was listed about four weeks ago. The asking price is $425,000. 
The owner of the Red's Kettle Inn cannot be reached for comment on his decision to seek a buyer for the restaurant. It's located on the first floor of the building at the corner of CFJ Boulevard and Lester Avenue. Property records indicate there are three apartments on the second floor. In May, WNBF reported that businessman Adam Weitzman was seeking a buyer for Davis College in Johnson City with an asking price of $6 million. Weitzman purchased the property in Riverside Drive for $3.7 million in December of 2019, along with two residential buildings, which he later sold. Local media outlets are now reporting that the former Davis College campus has been sold by Weitzman for $4.5 million to the Birchwood Management Group. According to those local media reports, the goal of Birchwood Management Group is to turn the former Davis College campus into an artificial intelligence university. Johnny Davis founded the Davis College's Practical Bible Training School in 1900, according to the history of Davis College. Davis College is now located at the Word of Life Bible Institute in Pottersville, New York. The United States Post Office remains active on the former Davis, Davis College campus. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, tune in to WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. It's time once again for the final outdoor festival of the season coming up Friday and Saturday, September 29th and 30th. It's that time of year again. October Fest is here again. The annual October Fest at Most Holy Rosary Church on Route 26 in Maine, Friday and Saturday, September 29th and 30th. It's a wonderful time with great food, great entertainment, and a lot to do for the entire family. This is Bill Flynn. Join us Saturday, the 30th at 10 of the morning with our live coverage. Sponsored by Lawson's Hearing Center, by Midway Sales, the country store in Lyle. Evans Plumbing on Route 26 in Maine. Gene Gorman, E.W. Gorman, Electrical Contracting. Also by Superior Plus Propane, Butcher Boys Market, and Chris Casheely's Auto Seals. Most Holy Rose Oktoberfest, September 29th and 30th, two days on the Parish Grounds, Route 26 in Maine. Here's another I Love New York travel tip. Whether by land, water, or air, there are so many ways to explore and experience the beauty of fall foliage in New York State. Take a drive along a picturesque country road or scenic highway, or ride in the comfort of a tour bus. Stroll, hike, or bike on a nature trail. You can also witness autumn's amazing beauty aboard a scenic train ride. Some of the best foliage views are from the water. Enjoy a boat tour on a historic river or canoeing on a sparkling lake. View fall color from above by ascending a mountain in a ski center's chairlift or gondola. Or get a colorful bird's eye view in a hot air balloon, airplane, helicopter, or glider. For more information on fall foliage viewing in New York State, including weekly fall foliage reports, visit iloveny.com. Download the I Love New York app or dial 1-800-C-A-L-L-N-Y-S. Colorful, eye-opening adventures. It's easy to love New York. Colorectal cancer screening saves lives, but only if people get tested. About 23 million adults have never been tested. Almost two out of three have a regular doctor and health insurance that would pay for the test. Doctors often recommend colonoscopy, 
But the fecal occult blood test and sigmoidoscopy also effectively find colorectal cancer early. When people can pick the test they prefer, they're more likely to actually get tested. If you're between the ages of 50 and 75, talk with your doctor about which test is best for you. Make sure you understand the steps you need to take to get tested. If you have a family history of colorectal cancer or polyps or inflammatory bowel disease, ask your doctor if you should start screening before age 50. Through the Affordable Care Act, many people have access to health insurance that covers colorectal cancer screening tests at no cost. Remember, the best test is the test that gets done. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to speak on our program, who will be caller number one? Do you dare? Why not? Go ahead. Make our day. Again, the number is 607-772-1290. A foggy start to this Thursday morning here in Parlor City, USA. A city of parlors. And we're proud. <laughs> and coming up today, we'll have uh, potentially some interesting twists along the way. I wouldn't be surprised. Nothing, <laughs> nothing really surprises me. Uh, well, I, I better revise that. A few things actually can surprise me, but those things are rather infrequent every once in a while. After reporting on the Binghamton area for an extended period, I come to the conclusion I've seen, pretty much seen it all. Except this morning I saw something I don't think I've seen this before. Exactly. I was working on a story, and we'll report out the story a little bit later today. It'll first be on WNBF.com. I, uh, I've seen a lot of things over my years around here. I really haven't seen this particular <laughs> scene. So, eh. It's fascinating. You just never know. All right, let's take a call. Good morning. You're caller number one. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, I'd like to change my name, but right now it's John from Binghamton. All right. And congratulations. We have granted you 60 seconds of valuable airtime on amplitude modulation 1290. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, we've got a case uh, in federal court against IM3, uh, the two executives and the executive, or I guess former executive of Magnus Energy uh, for violations of the U.S. Fair Labor Standards Act. I think that's interesting in the sense that Chuck Schumer makes these announcements, millions here, millions there. Uh, you would think that he would uh, give a, a cursory uh, search and do some due diligence. So uh, that's been postponed for several
that, but it's interesting that, uh, you know, a United States senator, uh, and I guess the whole thing is supposed to be about jobs there, uh, but it really isn't. It's about the university sucking grant money uh, out of uh, the U.S. government. And, uh, you know, I've got some context in Australia. Uh, the gentleman uh, is on vacation. He writes for the Australian uh, newspaper, the Australian newspaper. Uh, and he's wrote a series of articles. His name is David Ross, uh, at fake David Ross is his Twitter handle. Uh, here's some of the headlines. Magnus, Magnus exec sacked for listing concerns. Magnus in drug boss dealings. Uh, booze, ciggies, gym fees. Magnus alleged Tanzanian uh, spending spree. Now, I haven't spoken. I've spoken to other sources. I haven't spoken to him. Uh, but uh, there's concern down there. I guess a lot of mom and pop investors in Australia, because these this Magnus Energy was, uh, you know, setting up these plants really uh, in several countries, including in Australia, through government grants, that a lot of mom and pop investors uh, lost a lot of money. Uh, if you look at the chart of Magnus Energy, you can you can see the potential there for losses. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, I, I don't understand why uh, simple questions uh, regarding this company. See, I mean, I mean, look, if if they were a company that were uh, just attracting uh, private investors, that would be the ballywick of of their investors and the SEC. But this is this is public money. We're all in on this, and uh, you know, uh, I, I I really, really, really have questions in the fact that. <sighs> Binghamton University is so heavily involved, and Stanley Whittingham has 500,000 shares of Magnus Energy. Uh, I, I think it's it's cause for concern. I think, I mean, you know, it's not like we haven't seen this before here. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of it. Uh, you know, a semiconductor laser, two guys from Conklin and their hamburger patty storage company. You know, we, we've seen enough of this. To where, uh, you know, uh, you think that that uh, questions uh, could be asked and readily answered. Well, hopefully we'll get some answers and hopefully we'll see thousands of jobs at that site within the next five years. I'm I'm banking on it, John. I have a lifelong love of Endicott, so oh. if, if something... I'll tell you what, if the thing with the uh, lithium-ion batteries and then the uh, other thing with the uh, solar panels, if those two things don't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I've put, well, well, I've, put, I've put all my eggs, those two eggs, in in the Bob basket, and I, well, I am looking forward to a return of uh, milk and honey, figuratively, to the streets of Endicott by the year 2030. Well, you know, uh, the, the simple thing is you can tell by who's investing in a company whether or not, you know, it, it's sort of on the level, to use another uh, term. Uh, you know, I mean, when, when Dick's Sporting Goods, before they became a public company, they were attracting capital from, oh, a French, French retailer, a General Electric, and, of course, Paul Allen. 
uh, bringing them over the top after they became a public company. They, they were attracting the likes of Ron Barron, a, a very famous mutual fund manager. So the people that were going in uh, on Dix uh, were uh, reputable people with uh, exper- very experienced track record. So it wasn't it wasn't really uh, uh, far fetched that they would become the Dix of today. However. <laughs> Uh, this thing, anything to do with technology, of course, has a lot of competition. And uh, if it was as it, and, and you know, Whittingham has been at this a good long time. You know, it's like uh, it reminds me of a songwriter that has one song, and you know, he keeps taking the same song around uh, year after year, hoping that that someone is going to do his song. I mean, th- these Whittingham patents are are. are you know, they, they won the Nobel Prize, but, uh, you know, uh, if everybody that won, won the Nobel Prize became a successful entrepreneur, then the names <laughs> the names of the business community would be quite different. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. And you know me, I'm, I'm always willing, if, if anybody from Imperium or Magnus Energy wants to call in and give us a real-time update on the situation... That's why we have multiple phone lines, so everybody has a chance of getting through. 607-772-1290. If you're outside the USA today, I would encourage you to contact us using the appropriate country code. We're pretty much reachable through the use of billions of telecommunications devices scattered around the earth Thursday morning, it's 9.22. I'm Bob Joseph. This is not AI. You can tell because it's not quite as perfect as AI would be. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. Investing involves... Twenty-six at WNBF, uh, top of the morning at you, or whatever, whatever they would say if they had a script. Let's take a look at the forecast from the National Weather Service. Looks promising, although caution for more sensitive viewers: there will be a little rain in the forecast. Not today, but coming soon to a backyard near you. Here's the complete forecast. Mostly sunny today. High 68. Still some dense fog to contend with if you're on the highways and byways. That won't last much longer. Cloudy tonight. 54. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of rain. High 64. Precipitation tomorrow less than one-tenth of an inch. Possible. Weekend looks nice, a far cry from last weekend, which some described as kind of a washout, especially Sunday. This coming Saturday should be partly sunny, 71, and Sunday, sunny, 76. Right now, it's 48 
in downtown Binghamton at News Radio WNBF at 928. Endicott. Dateline Endicott. So I returned to the scene. <laughs> 1000 Monroe Street to uh, observe what kind of progress has been made there in recent weeks. It's been viewed by some as a neighborhood trouble spot. It's been problematic, according to police and Endicott officials. This is a house at the corner of Monroe Street and Lincoln Avenue, about one block south of the fabulous Price Chopper supermarket. Uh, efforts to secure the residence with a history of criminal activity haven't been working so far. Last Friday, the police ordered whatever occupants remained at 1000 Monroe Street to get out of there by 5.15 p.m. That was after a lockdown law hearing it was held in Supreme Court. Village officials said the property has been source of a lot of police calls. The reported incidents included shootings, a stabbing, fighting distribution and use of the illegal drugs. Mayor Linda Jackson told WNBF News on Wednesday, although the house was boarded up as part of the lockdown process, it really hasn't been enough because people have been sneaking into the place. She said the first incident of trespassing occurred the day after occupants were directed to leave. So even though the place, at least the um, first floor doorway on the front side on Monroe Street and then the windows had all been boarded up and there were oh I don't know how many signs were put up five six seven signs that pretty clearly said um let me see what does it clearly say closed by court order Court issued Broome County Supreme Court, Village of Endicott Police Department. And so basically, I think the signs, which were laminated to protect against weather and the elements, uh, the signs clearly state in English, the place is closed. And don't also don't take this notice off or you'll be in trouble. You could get fined or maybe even sent to the big house if you remove the sign. So apparently the signs are secure, but the house itself hasn't been as secure as the officials had hoped. So I just received an update from Mayor Jackson a short time ago. And she said they're boarding up uh, some more and also now making a plan for cleanup. That's another thing that the neighbors are... Unpleased. Displeased. Oh, yeah, they're unpleased. Wow. No, they're displeased, disgusted, and dismayed. Um, And unhappy. So there's trash all over the place. Uh, The backyard and the side and the garage. I mean, the place is just bursting at the seams with an assortment, a wide array of your favorite trash. And Mayor Jackson told me when I spoke with her Wednesday that, yes, they are going to have the Village Public Works crews remove that stuff. If the person who owns the place, and I, let me just double check, I believe 
the listed owner of the place lives in Vestal, and I haven't been able to contact him. I'm sure, I'm sure he's listening, so he can give me a call today or send send a note to me, a Bob at WNBF.com, because I'd like to know what his reaction is to the village taking this action. So apparently he bought the place about 22 months ago. Apparently. Or at least obtained ownership. I don't, I don't know what the transaction was about. Anyway, if he wants to call me and uh, give me his sense of what's going on at uh, 1000 Monroe Street, I would be interested in hearing his thoughts and also what his plans are now that the matter has gone to courts. But it is, it's it's a mess. And while I was over there taking some pictures and video of that property, I thought to myself, imagine if you lived next door or across the street from this place, or imagine if you had a medical office and were trying to encourage people to make appointments at your medical office, would you would you be happy at all with what's going on at, at this house? And of course, I guess the answer would be no. You'd be d- displeased. I think we already established that. Displeased and disgusted and dismayed and unhappy. It's nine thirty four at News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Bob Joseph with you on a Thursday morning. If you have thoughts, we certainly are, are here for you. See, there's a story on the front page of the paper today. History is cool. Sarah Ames with um story about a Girl Scout who did a special project, the Gold Award Project, that celebrates the history of Vestal. So I think that is it's nice. Nice to see a story about a young person who's doing some good things. Very nice. Let's celebrate our history back when taxes were low. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, always available on the free WNBF app. WNBF at 939. This is Bob Joseph here for you, serving Vestal and the entire world. Back to the phones we go. Glenn and Vestal, also known as Glenn Miller, who is one of the candidates for the Vestal Town Board. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are things in my favorite town? 
Things are great. I love Vestal. Vestal's just so pretty, and now the fall's coming. The trees are starting to change color. Just a, just an amazing time of year. I know. I was just in Vestal. I picked up, they have a, a paper, the Vestal Town Crier. It's yeah. your hometown news for over 44 years. So listen to this. I couldn't do this. I, I, I don't have sound effects. I just picked up a, a copy of the <laughs> newspaper, so I'm paging through there. What's on your mind this morning? I just wanted to uh, remind people that there is an election coming up. I am running for town council along with Robert Green, also running for town council, and Maria Sexton running for supervisor. And the general election date is November 7th. And I want to encourage everybody to vote, not just because I'm on the ballot, but I do see more and more of a trend, I think we all do, that people are just a little upset with the government in general. And many people, many people just don't want to go out and vote. And our system is set up so that the voters are supposed to be the ones who are driving the whole democracy. And the less people who vote, the fewer people are doing the driving. And I think that's part of the problem we've got going on. So I want to encourage everybody to go out and vote. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, green, whatever. But please go out and vote. It's how democracy works. And I just really want to emphasize that. One thing that I've been concerned about regarding Vestal and some of the other communities around our area is sometimes we don't hear much from residents about their government, whether it's a town government or village or city government or how schools are running. I'm, I'm sometimes surprised because I know from talking with people around the community, including people in Vestal, I know people are concerned but they just, uh, for whatever reason, uh, don't often call into the program to share the concerns that they're talking about among themselves. And so sometimes it, it certainly could lead one to a conclusion, either too many people are apathetic or too many people think everything is just fine. And yeah. I know from having casual, informal conversations with people around our community every day, although Yes, we have great things in our communities. There are legitimate concerns that uh, people would like to see addressed. Yeah. Those are the other two components I would add would be to get informed and get involved. And getting involved doesn't mean you have to go to board meetings necessarily, although that's a good thing, or join a party or anything like that. But calling the Bob Joseph Show is a good way to get involved. Talking to your teachers at school is a good way to get involved. Going down to the board and Finding out what's going on in your local community is a good way to get involved. It doesn't take that much time. And I understand people are working. They've got a lot of stuff on their plate. I know I have a lot of stuff on my plate. But I finally got to the realization that the, the reason our democracy is having the rocky road it's had for the last few decades is because less and less people are involved, less and less people vote, less and less people know what's really going on. I'm trying to encourage people, and I will do so as councilmen, to get more involved, get more informed, be part of the process more. I realize it's one more thing on their plate, but this is their country, this is their land, this is their town. They want it to go the way they want it to go. You kind of have to get involved. Glenn Miller, thank you for calling in and talking about uh, the future of Vestal. Of course, the election is going to be happening November 7th which although yep. some people would say, wow, that's over a month away. 
uh, the reality is November 7th will be here before you know it. So It's going to be on you, on you, on top of you so yeah. quick. Yep. Um, so our, our website is realdemocracy, the number four, vestal.com. I know uh, the Republican candidate has a website. His name is Ted Wolf. So there's information on him there as well. The incumbent, um, yeah, I just blanked his name. John Schaefer. John Schaefer, thank you. Yeah, so who's running on uh, the conservative line. He is. I'm not sure what he's got beyond the Vesteltown website, but the Vesteltown website's there. So, again, but go to the website, learn about the candidates, and get out and vote. That would be my message to everyone. All right. Thank you for checking in. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Take care now. 944 at WNBF. By the way, the program is open to all. This is an impartial an impartial venue that allows everyone who is a legitimate candidate to either call in or make arrangements to stop by the studio to talk about issues. So if you're a candidate in Broome County for, say, town supervisor or town board, uh, now I will say this. I don't think we're going to set up individual studio interviews with people running for um, say town boards, but we certainly can take phone calls as we did from Glenn Miller just now. Everybody has access. And Glenn Miller took it upon himself just to call in like any other person would, 607-772-1290. So if you're also running for the Vestal Town Board or a Vestal Supervisor candidate, you're welcome to call in. We're here for you. I'm a facilitator. I'm designed, I'm working always to get more information out to just the average person so they have better, better opportunity or better, better, um, information base when they make their decisions coming up in a few weeks. With the election November 7th, and when you think about it, Early voting will be starting in about a month. So it won't be long now for the local races. So it will be interesting. We're here trying to do our best. We we are admittedly imperfect. But it doesn't mean we don't strive to offer everyone equal access. What do you think about local elections, or for that matter, anything else. This is your opportunity. It's your program, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning on WNBF. Cash back is... WNBF at 949. Back to the phones we go. It's Pastor Frank Barnett in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, good morning, um, Mr. Joseph. How are you doing? I am well. How are you today? Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, just give you some information. and Somebody might have been on with this. Last year, we had uh, Faith in Blue at uh, Recreation Park with the city of Binghamton with Officer Woody. And now he is over it at the Broome County Sheriff's Office. And so this year we will be out there on the 5th and the 6th of October coming up. 
And we're going to be with Bestow, Indicott, Johnson City, and Binghamton, uh, Chief of Police and their uh, officers, and some of the mayors of those towns will be at Recreational Park at Saturday at 11 a.m. We're starting. Um, just all kinds of events and free food for the community to come out. And this is growing really fast from last year. Um, what, what, on Friday night, they're going to have an interview over at St. Mary's on Holly Street, their, uh, their recreational center. They're going to have a Q&A with the um, city um, mayors and um, police chiefs so people can ask questions and coffee and, and refreshments if you want to come out. That's going to be at 7 p.m. at St. Mary's Assumption. All right. And that is the Faith in Blue Festival at Recreation Park coming up October 5th and 6th? Yes, sir. And Officer Chuck Woody is someone, I don't know, maybe he might want to come in for an interview that's leading this. And he's really um, setting fire from from one city last year to all, to four cities in our, in our county now. So we're really trying to grow. And there, there's um, a lot of clergy on board that we've been in meetings and we've been uh, planning this for a little while. So it's just something interested for our community to do, interesting for our community to do. Well, I appreciate your giving me a heads up, and I'll uh, try to contact him. I haven't uh, actually seen him in a while, certainly uh, since he, um, I believe he, yeah, as you say, he transitioned from the Binghamton Police Department to the Broome County Sheriff's Office, so I'll try to get in touch with him and uh, see if you'd like to come in to talk about the uh, event that will be taking place early next month. And this is very needful because I, I like the idea and started reaching out with the police officers and people seeing us together with the clergy. I've done riding-alongs with them and Things like when things are going on, sometimes people see the clergy with the officers, they calm down immediately in situation instead of expelling it, it just calms down a lot a lot better. And so I, I just like this for our community to come together, our police officers, knowing that they're family, um, um, men and women, and, you know, that they love our community, they live in our community, and they work in our community. Pastor Frank Barnett, thank you. Your church is on Riverside Drive on the west side, correct? Yes, sir. You have a good memory. Um I wanted to tell you also this morning at 11 a.m. we will be down in Columbus Park. They're uh, opening up a uh, uh, garden, um, what do they call it, garden center or something like that, for in the name of honor of Edward Moses Cunningham. Um, he served food for years in the community. Him and his wife had passed out clothes, and he passed away in 2000. I think it was, and so they're going to be down there this morning dedicating that, and they asked me to come along, and you know, just it's just people have done some things, and now they're getting some recognition in our community, and I just want to keep on being a part of everything that helps our community all the time. Well, thanks for mentioning that as well. I'm not going to be over at the event marking the renaming of the community garden for Moses and Lucille Cunningham, but uh, we we will. In fact, I, I have the information here uh, between now and noon. I'll try to uh, read some of the information that was put out by Vines about the uh, naming of that community garden in honor and in memory of the Cunninghams. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day, sir. Thank you. It's 9.54. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Val in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Was that bumper music a couple ago by Alan O'Day? I'm afraid it was. 
Yeah, I, I, I got that 45. <laughs> that was at record land in the Oakdale Mall when I was a youngster. <laughs> yeah, probably for about 69 cents or something back back yeah. when vinyl was cheap and plentiful. Yeah, some of those good old stores back at the mall. Yeah, uh, oh, right. general, you know, maybe, you know what, farms. yeah, you know what, uh, I think the next time that Jerry Smith is in, in the studio, which won't be very long now, um, I will probably, I don't think we've ever done this, sort of uh, Oakdale Mall memories. I think that would be an appropriate segment. Of course, if I don't write it down, it's never going to happen. So let me let's see. Uh, Gerald Smith will be here on Friday the 13th, October 13th. So... We will do some Oakdale Mall memories with all all of your favorites, including, um, of course, the movie theaters. Yep. Oh, Barbara sure. Moss. I used to get all my clothes at Barbara Moss, and then <laughs> things changed. But you know, that's that'll be another story that we'll we'll tell when I when I can make arrangements. That'll be in my book. I'll be able to tell the story to Sean Hannity. I'm sure he'll be supportive. Yep, chapter thirteen. <laughs> So, right, and what else so is going I, on? Oh, oh, yeah. So, yes, the, by the way, one other note about that song and, um, rarely, rarely used as bumper music, but it is certainly a peppy little number from the seventies. And as I sure recall, is, I up on it right away. Yeah. As I recall, in fact, let me just, uh, look up the actual information here. So that song, yep, 1977, just as I suspected. So I'm thinking, and again, this is not for broadcast. It's very personal, and I'd, if I put it on the air, I'd get in trouble under HIPAA. But I'm thinking that this song was in hot rotation when I started working here at the Big N. And I and that's back when this station actually played music, trafficked in uh, so-called middle-of-the-road or adult contemporary music before we went uh, all news talk. And so, yes, it, it says it was released in February 1977. And it was written by it Alan, Alan O'Day. Well, was this a one-hit wonder? That's what I don't know. I don't think it was. Let me, thankfully, the Internet is the answers. No, actually, the answer from the internet is he had several other hits. Actually, his first hit, according to Wikipedia, was from 1964. I Want a Girl for Xmas. And apparently, <laughs> well, he was, a sim- he was a simple man and yet, you know, can you really argue with that? He was probably young at the time. I Want a Girl for Xmas. And apparently the listed um, artist on the vinyl was Alan O'Day and the Knights, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Then in 1970, he had, it says, Heavy Church slash House on Sunrise Avenue. I don't know if that ever charted. Uh, there was a, a song in 73. Then, of course, the big hit. And I believe it got up to number one here in the U.S., which meant 
because of WNBF's fantastic format at the time, that meant that it was probably played in heavy rotation on WNBF for about four or five months. Because, <laughs> the, <laughs> trust me, trust me, if you had to work here, and sometimes I had to work a five or six hour shift, so a song in heavy rotation sometimes could co come up two or three times. And nothing against the song, but after five or six months, I mean, there was that, there was also... Uh, you Light Up My Pipe by Debbie Boone. And, oh, oh, my gosh. I mean, that was, that wouldn't go away. I mean, that was in, no. I think, our heavy rotation for more than six months because she dominated the Billboard chart. And I, I used to tell whoever the music director was, could have been Don Daniels, he said, Don, can't we just drop this? I mean, after all, after six months, I think the novelty is worn off. And he said, oh, no, we have to go basically uh, on the Billboard Top 10 or Top 20. And it's like, okay, but you know and I know we're all tired of it. And he said, I know, I'm tired of it, but that's what we had to do. You know, that's funny that you just said about you to light up my life. I saw that movie with some of my friends at the movie theater at the mall, I remember, because we were all thinking it was so wonderful. <laughs> well, this, I, this is really why I called. I have Well, well actually, would you do me a favor and call back after the news? Because I spent several minutes just talking okay. about random stuff. So call back right. in our next hour. Okie doke. Thanks. That's what I do. Get off on tangents like a bad railroad conductor. Bob Joseph. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. For today, mostly sunny, high near 68. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 54. Mostly cloudy Friday with a chance of rain, high near 64. Efforts to secure an Endicott residence with a history of criminal activity hasn't been working. Last Friday, police ordered the occupants of the house at 1000 Monroe Street to leave the building after a lockdown law hearing was held in Broome County Supreme Court. Village officials said the property had been a source of many police calls over the past year. The reported incidences included shootings, a stabbing and fighting, along with the distribution and use of illegal drugs. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said although the house was boarded up as part of the lockdown process, People have been sneaking into the place. She said the first incident of trespassing occurred the day after occupants were directed to leave. Village Public Works crews are installing more plywood to the house to try to better secure the property. The mayor said it's getting to be a real problem. Mountains of trash still fill the backyard, the garage, and part of the driveway at the Monroe Street property. Jackson said village workers will remove the debris outside the house, although that job may not start until next week. The Broome County Health Department has taken another step to keep both students and staff of Broome County Schools and licensed daycares healthy and safe. With assistance from grant funds provided by the New York State Department of Health, Health Research Incorporated, BCHD, purchased and delivered over 1,300 standalone air filters for classrooms. By placing these air filters in classrooms, potential exposure to airborne viruses, especially during the colder months when viruses tend to spread more, can be reduced significantly. The air filters provided are high medical-grade HEPA, Units designed to eliminate airborne contaminants, including various respiratory viruses. 
with the existence of a variety of viruses and the flu to the common cold during the fall and winter seasons. The BCHD says these filters will play a vital role in minimizing exposure to respiratory viruses. New York State has banned facial recognition technology in schools. The announcement by Education Commissioner Betty Rosa yesterday follows a report that concluded the risks outweigh potential security benefits. Lawmakers earlier banned facial recognition while awaiting results of a state analysis weighing the pros and cons. Issued last month, that report cited the potentially higher rate of false positives for people of color and noted that most school shooters have been current students who would not necessarily have been stopped. Schools can decide on their own whether to use other biometric technologies such as digital fingerprinting. Reds Kettle Inn on CFJ Boulevard closed suddenly in July after the owner of the business was seriously hurt in a vehicle crash. In a Facebook message posted two months ago, the owner wrote that he was dealing with the after effects of a severe concussion. He said he was suspending the restaurant's operations with a heavy heart, but added, I will be back. It might take some time, but I'm chopping at the bit to get back to cooking for all families, wonderful friends and customers. A sales representative with Exit Realty Front and Center said the restaurant was listed about four weeks ago. The asking price is $425,000. The owner of the Red's Kettle Inn cannot be reached for comment on his decision to seek a buyer for the restaurant. It's located on the first floor of the building at the corner of CFJ Boulevard and Lester Avenue. Property records indicate there are three apartments on the second floor. In May, WNBF reported that businessman Adam Weitzman was seeking a buyer for Davis College in Johnson City with an asking price of $6 million. Weitzman purchased the property in Riverside Drive for $3.7 million in December of 2019, along with two residential buildings, which he later sold. Local media outlets are now reporting that the former Davis College campus has been sold by Weitzman for $4.5 million to the Birchwood Management Group. According to those local media reports, the goal of Birchwood Management Group is to turn the former Davis College campus into an artificial intelligence university. Johnny Davis founded the Davis College's practical Bible training school in 1900, according to the history of Davis College. Davis College is now located at the Word of Life Bible Institute in Pottersville, New York. The United States Post Office remains active on the former Davis, Davis College campus. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, tune in to WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Joseph, Thursday morning live at News Radio WNBF. I'm not 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to talk to the guy in charge, well, sorry, he's not here today, but you can talk to me, the guy in charge. I don't know. Not sure. Not sure when the guy in charge will be here. But you can call me because 
as it says here on my screen. Your call is important to me. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling Hi. from? Andy from Vestal. Hey, Bob. I just want to remind people in Vestal that today is the, uh, um, at 7, seven to 8 o'clock today at the Vestal Public Library, uh, Maria Sexton and Robert Green and Glenn Miller, who are running for Real Democracy for Vestal.com, will be having a question and answer time at the Vestal Public Library meeting room. Uh, from 7 to 8 for any vessel constituents to have questions of these new candidates. And that's the only thing I wanted to promote today. All right. Well, that's short and sweet. And I think most of our listeners uh, got the gist of it. So appreciate your uh, calling our attention to the event. And keep me posted. If you see something, anything, right. anything. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. We need news right, tips. Thanks. Thank you. That's true. I need news tips. Well, don't you already know it all? No. I admit, I I, I know probably less than 5%. Well, you act like a know-it-all. Yeah, well, just an act on the radio. Got to give the illusion of knowing virtually everything. When, in fact, I'm sure I don't know at least 95%. Actually... It's more accurately, I probably know only about 1% of what's going on around here. But I never give up. I keep fighting the good fight, keep asking the good questions, encouraging. See, what I do is I offer encouragement to people. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you've done. Well, I care. But, say, if... You've made some poor choices. Hey, everybody has. So, do better. Do better. That's what I'll encourage you to do. Do better. But, Bob, I've made so many poor choices. Yeah, well, but you can make better choices starting now, right? Well, okay, well, that's what we're about. We encourage you. To do better, as well as call in the program, because we we do want to hear from a diverse cross-section of our community. You know, people who call, they, they're self-selecting. Like, I cannot, <laughs> as much as I would like, I can't force anyone to call in, but those who call in, they certainly are encouraged to participate. And those who don't call in, well, you're encouraged to participate at some point. Uh, as we reported earlier in the week, they're uh, talking about putting in a Mexican restaurant here at the WNBF building at Corton State. So that'll be, um, I guess that'll be something. Left messages for the people who uh, said they're planning the new restaurant, but I haven't heard back. So, But they say it'll be a Mexican restaurant. And I noted with interest, as I was thumbing through the um, evening press archive, as sometimes I do, typically 
looking back 50 years ago to see what was going on 50 years ago on this date. So I noticed on this date, September 28th, 1973, exactly a half century ago, there was an ad in the Binghamton newspaper for Le Caveau Restaurant. Dine in a romantic atmosphere. Superb cuisine. Lunches daily from 11 a.m. Dinners till 10.30 p.m. Pride of downtown Binghamton. In the Banker's Trust. Doesn't say in the Banker's Trust building. In the Banker's Trust. And then the phone number. And I never... I guess I was too young to be eating in a romantic atmosphere. So that was what was here. Now I'm thinking to myself, if this new restaurant wants to open up and offer superb cuisine, including lunches daily from 11 a.m., count me in. Because I need a convenient place to go to lunch. In fact, if they offered lunch, I'd be able to actually, (laughs) believe it or not, I would be able to walk from where I'm standing now in the colorful Binghamton Now studio, I think I would be able to walk about 16 steps to go get a table there. Wouldn't even have to brave the elements. Anyway, looking forward to that. Looks like there's uh, going to be a flurry of activity here in downtown Binghamton during the fall season, so... Do our best to keep track of what's going on around here. I've heard of a couple other things, too, that will be happening downtown. So all I can say is stay tuned. Some of these things are not yet reportable because they're in the they're in the early stages. But I think after a bit of a lull over the last couple of years, I think downtown Binghamton is... Um, going to be moving forward. And of course, WNBF is proud to be at the heart of downtown Binghamton. We're here. And that's the way it is. Sadly, the news on the restaurant front isn't all um, happiness. I For months... Trust me, for a few months, all I want, all I've wanted, is a hot pie. That's what I was hoping for, a hot pie. And what I discovered several weeks ago when I went over to the place that had unique hot pies, the best hot pies, I discovered, unfortunately, that the place was closed and, as we had reported, the owner had been injured in a vehicle crash. And so, sadly, Red's Kettle Inn on CFJ Boulevard has been closed. And now, as we're reporting on WNBF.com, the place is listed for sale. So, I don't know if somebody is prepared to buy the place and maybe continue the kettle in tradition that we've enjoyed for decades as uh, pointed out by noted historian Jerry Smith 
It wasn't always Red's Kettle Inn. Mr. Smith observed that actually the place was just the Kettle Inn when it started in the 1930s. And then um, starting in 1942, Anthony Sobiek, whose nickname was Red, became the manager of the restaurant. So Red Sobiek started managing the Kettle Inn in 1942. And then on June 3rd, 1949, the grand opening was held for the rechristened Red's Kettle Inn. So it's been Red's Kettle Inn all my life. So you look back, that's... I'm not good at math, but I, I would think that's more than 74 years as Red's Kettle Inn and then several years before that just as the Kettle Inn. So, well, we'll see if, uh, if you want more information about the property because it includes the restaurant and apparently most of the furnishings and equipment in the restaurant. So, say, if you enjoyed the Red's Kettle Inn atmosphere and food as much as I did... All those years, well, if you have the money, you could buy it, and then you could continue the tradition. If I had the money, I would buy it. Not sure that I would be cooking or doing any of the hot pies. I don't. I think I would hire someone to do that because I would want the food to be edible. But uh, you know, if I had. If I had $425,000, that's what I would spend it on. Buy the place. The only thing I would change would be the name. It would be Bob's Kettle Inn. It's 1020 at News Radio, WNBF. Of course, we wish uh, Tony, the owner, and his wife, and everybody with the family and everybody associated with Red's Kettle Inn, we wish them all the best. Just uh, tough to see that uh, a place that has been part of the fabric of Johnson City is now up for sale, and we'll see what happens. It would be nice to see the place acquired by someone who could continue the tradition with hot pies and all the rest. Just imagine. Think of the the history there. I, I know we did a story. When was it? When was that story? I believe it was about three years ago. In fact, it was almost exactly three years ago. It was October 9th, 2020, when we learned that Whitey Ford died. So, yes, nearly exactly three years ago. And the reason we reported about Whitey Ford, two reasons. One, he pitched for the Binghamton Triplets before he joined the Yankees. And... He also, when he was with the triplets back in 1949, he apparently spent some time at Red's Kettle Inn. According to the story I wrote uh, in October 2020, uh, Whitey Ford was a frequent visitor to Red's Kettle Inn. During the short time he pitched for the triplets, he wasn't here all that long, but the restaurant was fairly close to Johnson Field, and as I pointed out 
in the article still had several photos of Whitey Ford prominently displayed. And according to Tony Sobiek, who spoke with me um, when I was reporting on the story about the death of Whitey Ford, he said uh, he believed the last time Whitey Ford stopped in at the Reds Kettle Inn was in the late 1980s. So there's a little tie-in with local baseball history. It's 1023. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GolfAuto.com. Welcome. Long-distance dedication to our good friend in the Garden State. They call it Jersey. Searching for the bars of gold. Going out to Senator Robert Menendez. Good luck, my friend. Good luck. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, I suppose there's a way that he can prevail. You get a good lawyer, Bruce Barquette or someone. But I have to say, at this juncture, it doesn't look... (laughs) It doesn't really look all that promising for uh, Senator Menendez. We've been told that uh, he actually is planning to have a closed-door session with his Democratic colleagues in the Senate. That ought to be a real pip. I hope one of the senators actually will record the secret session so we could hear what kind of case that Senator Robert Menendez makes for staying in the Senate. As they say, it's a shocking, shocking bribery scandal. Or, on the other hand, I suppose for people who know Bob Menendez, it's just a bribery scandal, not so shocking. Interestingly, and I heard this on the news this morning, oh boy, and um, here's the story, I'll read a story that appears on the New York Post website about gold bars. And I thought, who in the world, for the most part, for the most part, who in the world among us buys gold bars? And then I thought, well, of course, A lot of people buy gold bars. Everyone wants bars of gold. Not just Neil Young and Robert Menendez. We all would love to have big stacks of gold bars in our basement. But here's the story. They started selling gold bars at Costco, and now they're sold out. So, see, I'm not a member of Costco, so it would have done me no good. But if I was a member of Costco, I probably 
would have uh, ordered myself some gold bars, but now they're sold out, according to the New York Post. So Costco's CFO, Richard Galante, said that uh, he had received some calls about those one-ounce gold bars, but when we load them on the site, they're typically gone in a few hours. We limit them two per member. So, well, maybe... Maybe I'll become an honorary member of Costco so the next time they put gold bars on their website, I can buy two. It's 1029 at WNBF. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your name? What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name's Ron. I'm calling from Binghamton, New York. I've heard many good things about that city. Yes, and actually... Uh, your talk about uh, Senator Menendez uh, is bringing back some pleasant, well, maybe not so pleasant memories. Uh, I grew up uh, in New Jersey. Bayonne. Bayonne. Bayonne, yes, the home of Sandra D. Hey, um, you know, New Jersey has great tomatoes. I don't know if you know that or not, but Jersey tomatoes are really tremendous. They're there's something about, well, it's the Garden State, so there's something about uh, the the soil down there in New Jersey that provides uh, us with great tomatoes. But it also, something about, I don't know if it's in the soil, provides us with interesting politicians. Uh, and, of course, we've got Senator Menendez now with his gold bars and his, I think he had like $480,000 in gold and cash in his house. He, that was just for a rainy day in case, uh, you know, the ATMs uh, misfunctioned uh, during a storm, he, you know, and he had to run out to the uh, to the store down there. He had some extra cash. But uh, you got Senator Menendez when I was when I was growing up. Well, actually, I was somewhat grown up by this time. We had a, a congressman and his name was uh, Cornelius Gallagher. You could look him up. He was a, he was a seven-term congressman from 1959 to 1973. Uh, he he uh, was in battle, interestingly, with J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover uh, was out after him because on the floor of the House, uh, Gallagher said some nasty things about J. Edgar Hoover. But notwithstanding that... Uh, Gallagher was involved in some nefarious activities, and he ended up going to uh, jail, going to prison for two years, and and this is back in 1973-74, and a ten thousand dollar fine, which was you know a whopping fine back in 73-74. Uh, but he uh, he served for seven terms, and when he was indicted, uh, he was running for. Uh, one of his terms, and uh, he he won in a landslide. There's something about not only New Jersey politicians, but New Jersey voters. I I came from Hudson County, New Jersey, which also had oh some real interesting characters. Uh, the mayor of um, of Newark from '62 to '70 ended up ten years in prison. He was selling. Uh, the city streets. Uh, he was um, being bribed by developers and selling them uh, private uh, or public property. And 
Uh, it, it goes on and on. So there's there's something there's something about New Jersey, and I'm sad to say uh, that uh, Senator Menendez is uh, an alumnus of my university. Uh, he well. By graduate. the way, hold that thought. Yeah. What high school did you go to? Uh, the garnet and white were our colors. Bayonne High School. All right. So also, your your good friend Neil Gallagher went to that high school. So I, I just wanted to point that out, that you had that also in common with Congressman Gallagher. By the way, oh, his father was a police officer. So yeah, he, 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 he grew up, although his father died when he was only eight, and then he began working at a young age as a newsboy and later a soda jerk. So he actually wasn't that bad. It's not as though he got involved in radio talk shows. So anyway, tell me again what you were about to say about um, Senator Menendez. Well, Senator, uh, let, me, let me go back for just a second to Neil Gallagher. He had a distinguished war record. He came out of the war as a captain. I think he had four bronze stars, two bronze stars and four purple hearts. I mean, he was a, a brave soldier. He served and, uh, in Patton's Third Army. How about that? Well, according to this. Yeah. And discharged and, uh, as a captain. Yeah, and i got to tell you a personal story about uh, Neil Gallagher. My parents who uh, worked on Neil Gallagher's, one of his campaigns when he was running for Congress. And as a, you know, uh, since he helped, since they helped him out, uh, they had a kind of favor that they could cash in on. And they decided to ask Neil to get their son, myself, a job on the New Jersey Turnpike as a toll collector. Um, the uh, Neil Gallagher was also one of the supervisors of the Turnpike Commission. And so um, my mother cashed in her chip for helping Neil get elected, and they sent me down uh, to uh, take a test to become a toll collector on the New Jersey Turnpike. Did, you, pa did down, you pass the ch test? Well, this is the interesting part, Bob. I went down to New Brunswick, which is the headquarters of the Turnpike, and I was uh, there to take the test. I was sent to a room. There was a proctor uh, who came into the room and gave me uh, the test on paper. And I was about to start the test. And the door opened and somebody stuck their head in and said to the proctor, he doesn't have to take the test. Neil sent him down. Oh, so I thought, you know, so I didn't even have to take the test because I, I, it was a sure thing. I was getting that job. And in fact, I had that job when I was going to college. I worked in the toll booths at the uh, exit 14C of the Turnpike, which is the Holland Tunnel exit by the Statue of Liberty. So but, interestingly, uh, so that's something you have in common with uh, our late Congressman Maurice Henschey. Well, he was attending SUNY New Paltz. He supported it himself as a toll collector on the New York State Thruway. So turns out great people spend some time as toll collectors. And then, you know, I mean, that's... I, I'm not sure that I could stand the pressure of being a toll collector. 
I know this isn't yeah. the primary point of your call, but let's just digress for, for one minute. Tell me what it was like being a toll collector. Well, uh, it was kind of like, uh, it, it was an important job. It was kind of like for whom the bells toll. Uh, I uh, handed out the tickets uh, when people came on the turnpike. Now you go to a, like an automatic dispenser. But back then, uh, the cars approached and you handed out the tickets and uh, the trucks approached and you had to note how many axles they had because they got different tickets and paid different amounts. So I handed out tickets and then every once in a while, I took money. I went to the other side of the uh, toll plaza and collected money. And uh, it was an interesting job in that any any job in which you have hundreds of thousands of people coming past you or stopping, uh, you get some funny stories. Like people would would stop at my booth, pay their toll, and uh, the driver would say, can we pull over and take a picture of the Statue of Liberty? It was the, per- the perfect spot to take a picture of the Statue of Liberty. So I said, sure, you know, pull over. And they'd pull over. All these people would get out of their cars. And sure enough, every once in a while, they'd get back in their cars and they'd leave one of the people by accident, you know, and he'd go running after the car that left him at the uh, site to photograph the Statue of Liberty. And then people asked all sorts of crazy questions as they came through. Um, so you had fun with them. It was an, it was a nice job. It was just down from the college I attended on, on Montgomery Avenue in Jersey City. And that is St. Peter's University. And uh, that's the university that um, Senator Men- Menendez uh, is a graduate. Uh, so I have that in common with Senator Menendez. Uh, if you live long enough, you're going to have uh, lots of things in common with uh, lots of, um, well, good people and, shall we say, nefarious. Yeah. Well, let's just call them characters. I mean, for one thing, well, let's let's be crystal clear. Robert Menendez and his lovely wife, Nadine have been convicted of nothing. All these are strictly allegations, and now it's up to the DOJ to pr- attempt to prove the allegations. I mean, certainly, thumbing through the indictment, it certainly, as, as Senator Charles Schumer put it uh, so eloquently, was dis- disappointing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Is that the best you can do, Chuck? I don't usually call him Chuck, but, you know, with with that kind of... And again, I, I also respect Senator Schumer's position as Senate Majority Leader. Even when you are dealing with someone who may have done some unsavory things or some potentially illegal things, you still, as the leader of the Democratic contingent in the, in, in the Senate, you still publicly really should be supporting him, even if privately you might be telling him, Bob, can you just leave? This is not this is not a good look. It's not good for you, of course, but it's also not good for the Senate. Can you just like get out of here? Do you want me to write the letter for you so you could sign it? So he Senator Schumer might think that privately, or for all I know, maybe he and Senator Menendez are good friends, but it it just seemed, you know, that the statement that Senator Schumer made yesterday about, you know, I read the allegations and I was disappointed. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, gee, what if, what if he had been accused of shooting someone on Fifth Avenue? What about that? And they had it on video from 25 angles. Well, I, oh, I, I saw the video and I was 
disappointed. <laughs> Bob, uh, here's a word. We're always bringing up words. We, we did galoot last week. Uh, the word chutzpah, you know, uh, chutzpah, uh, okay, referring to uh, someone who has a lot of gall. You know, you got a lot of I gall. was just going to say that. I didn't know the dictionary definition, but I was going to say, yeah, someone with a lot of chutzpah has uh, unmitigated gall. Yes, and uh, interestingly, I think Senator Menendez has a lot of chutzpah. And, uh, you know, the Menendez brothers over in California who were convicted uh, for killing their mother and father, they threw themselves on the mercy of the court because they were orphans. Now, that's that's chutzpah to the... Yeah. Well, and, and now I look up the dictionary definition. Now, of course, this is according to the Internet. Extreme self-confidence or audacity. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I think that, hey, if the word fits, use it. And uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's another case. Here we, we have another prominent public official accused of unsavory acts and I'm always conflicted when these cases come up, whether it's um, someone accused of this type of corruption or someone accused of trying to wreck democracy. I'm always sort of conflicted because I don't know what the right course of action is ultimately if they are found guilty of serious allegations. So what then? I mean, it's after the fact. These are you have to acknowledge relatively unique cases or relatively unusual cases. So whatever punishment ultimately happens is highly unlikely to serve as a deterrent for other bad actors. So is it in anyone's best interest, say, yes, you work to undermine democracy. You encouraged your uh, the leaders of your or the members of your cult to try to wreck American Democracy. So if you're found guilty of that, or in the, the case of uh, Senator Menendez and his wife, if they're found guilty of these charges, so what then? I mean, does is it actually in anyone's interest to lock them up? Well, I think what might happen, uh, how about this? Uh, Senator Menendez uh, becomes first in line to get a cannabis license to sell cannabis. <laughs> On Court Street. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Governor. By the way, Kathy Hochul, the door is always open for the next time you're driving down Court Street and decide you don't have to stop over at the cannabis shop again. Remember, there's more to Court Street than legal weed. 1043, this is Bob Joseph on your side on a Thursday morning on WNBF. Just across the bar, my seat's been taken by some sunglasses Asking about a scar, and I know I gave it to you months ago I know you're trying to forget But between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies You know, I'm trying hard to take it back So if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down I'll carry you home. WNBL. 
We are young. So, let's set the world on fire. Because we can burn brighter than the sun. Fun. It's 10:47. WNBF. Oh, tomorrow's Friday. What do we have going on? Could do Music Friday. I don't know. It'll be up to the listeners. In theory, tomorrow would be Music Friday, but ultimately, it's up to the listeners. If the listeners want to talk about uh, music because it's Friday, I would certainly be happy about that. Impeachment update. Impeachment update. House Republicans today opened impeachment inquiry. The impeachment inquiry, a hearing into allegations against President Joe Biden among claims so far unsupported by any evidence are that President Biden personally profited from his family's foreign business dealings. And, furthermore, he improperly influenced policy based on them during his time as vice president. In his opening statement, committee chair James Comer said Republicans can back up the allegations. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. And furthermore, according to Congressman Comer, the president has a history of prevarication. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. But, Chairman Comer, what about the evidence? Tell me what exactly the evidence reveals. Evidence reveals that then-Vice President Joe Biden spoke, dined, and developed relationships with his family's foreign business targets. These business targets include foreign oligarchs who sent millions of dollars to his family. It also includes a Chinese national who wired a quarter of a million dollars to his son. All righty, so that is the latest as the impeachments inquiry hearing gets underway and we'll continue to monitor and bring you the important developments as they occur right here on news radio wnbf 1050 on a thursday morning coming up later today on wnbf for impeachment fans dan bongino from noon to three and sean hannity from three to six and more about the constitutional elements of the impeachment plan with Mark Levin tonight from 6 to 9. It's all for you on WNBF. It's 10.53 at WNBF to the town of Union. June and Endwell, you're on the air. Thank you. How are you today? Doing well. How are things in my favorite hamlet oh i think about you every time i look out my window and see the little lovelies running and skipping to school yeah that was me just a few that years ago you. i could picture it right now so um you kind of gave me a chuckle this morning when you read that story about the house in endicott that's been 
condemned or blocked off or whatever they did to it. And, of course, people are going in and out of it. Well, you know, I'm not going to mention the name of the street this house is on, but they code enforcement finally did put plywood up on the garage door, the house door, the windows upstairs, put signs up, and I guess, according to the code enforcement guy, he said, uh, not fit for human habitation. And it was like that for like one day. The next day, the door was, the, the plywood was off the main door, and the person was in there. Then every day he comes and he, I don't know whether he stays there or not, who knows, um, he takes the plywood off the garage doors, and now, well, code enforcement cleaned his driveway, did all the work for him, you know, took all that stuff away. His garage is packed full, but now there's ladders up there. I don't know who's going up up on the roof, but, but Union did all the work for him, and now he's bringing stuff out of his garage all the time again. Well, well I assume that they would send him a bill. Well, I would hope so. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to – I know exactly the spot of which you speak. So, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's kind of I, I, Well, you know, I love the neighborhood, and I, I know you do. So, and one day, you know, we're all going. Yeah, that's good. It looks better even with the white painted plywood. Right. And the code enforcement man says, "Well, all he has to do is unscrew him. He can get a screwdriver mm-hmm. from the hardware store." So, so that tells all right. Me well, our code enforcement needs more teeth. Absolutely. Hey, thanks yeah, yeah. for the update. One of these okay. days, I'll I'll be in the neighborhood and I'll I'll Thank wave you to you. So much. Okay. Thank you, June. <laughs> That's the story from Endwell making contemporary news at ten fifty six. Be doop. Where news breaks first. News Radio twelve ninety WNBF. This is News Radio twelve ninety WNBF News. For today, mostly sunny, high near 68. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 54. Mostly cloudy Friday with a chance of rain, high near 64. Efforts to secure an Endicott residence with a history of criminal activity hasn't been working. Last Friday, police ordered the occupants of the house at 1000 Monroe Street to leave the building after a lockdown law hearing was held in Broome County Supreme Court. Village officials said the property had been a source of many police calls over the past year. The reported incidences included shootings, a stabbing and fighting, along with the distribution and use of illegal drugs. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said although the house was boarded up as part of the lockdown process, people have been sneaking into the place. She said the first incident of trespassing occurred the day after occupants were directed to leave. Village Public Works crews are installing more plywood to the house to try to better secure the property. The mayor said it's getting to be a real problem. Mountains of trash still fill the backyard, the garage, and part of the driveway at the Monroe Street property. Jackson said village workers will remove the debris outside the house, although that job may not start until next week. The Broome County Health Department has taken another step to keep both students and staff of Broome County schools and licensed daycares healthy and safe. 
With assistance from grant funds provided by the New York State Department of Health, Health Research Incorporated, BCHD, purchased and delivered over 1,300 standalone air filters for classrooms. By placing these air filters in classrooms, potential exposure to airborne viruses, especially during the colder months when viruses tend to spread more, can be reduced significantly. The air filters provided are high medical-grade HEPA units designed to eliminate airborne contaminants, including various respiratory viruses. With the existence of a variety of viruses and the flu to the common cold during the fall and winter seasons, the BCHD says these filters will play a vital role in minimizing exposure to respiratory viruses. New York State has banned facial recognition technology in schools. The announcement by Education Commissioner Betty Rosa yesterday follows a report that concluded the risks outweigh potential security benefits. Lawmakers earlier banned facial recognition while awaiting results of a state analysis weighing the pros and cons. Issued last month, that report cited the potentially higher rate of false positives for people of color and noted that most school shooters have been current students who would not necessarily have been stopped. Schools can decide on their own whether to use other biometric technologies such as digital fingerprinting. Reds Kettle Inn on CFJ Boulevard closed suddenly in July after the owner of the business was seriously hurt in a vehicle crash. In a Facebook message posted two months ago, the owner wrote that he was dealing with the after effects of a severe concussion. He said he was suspending the restaurant's operations with a heavy heart, but added, I will be back. It might take some time, but I'm chopping at the bit to get back to cooking for all families, wonderful friends and customers. A sales representative with Exit Realty Front and Center said the restaurant was listed about four weeks ago. The asking price is $425,000. The owner of the Reds Kettle Inn cannot be reached for comment on his decision to seek a buyer for the restaurant. It's located on the first floor of the building at the corner of CFJ Boulevard and Lester Avenue. Property records indicate there are three apartments on the second floor. In May, WNBF reported that businessman Adam Weitzman was seeking a buyer for Davis College in Johnson City with an asking price of $6 million. Weitzman purchased the property in Riverside Drive for $3.7 million in December of 2019, along with two residential buildings, which he later sold. Local media outlets are now reporting that the former Davis College campus has been sold by Weitzman for $4.5 million to the Birchwood Management Group. According to those local media reports, the goal of Birchwood Management Group is to turn the former Davis College campus into an artificial intelligence university. Johnny Davis founded the Davis College's Practical Bible Training School in 1900, according to the history of Davis College. Davis College is now located at the Word of Life Bible Institute in Pottersville, New York. The United States Post Office remains active on the former Davis, Davis College campus. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, tune in to WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
morning. Bob Joseph running things better than expected on a Thursday. And that's the way it is. 607-772-1290. The name of the program is Binghamton Now. The frequencies are 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. The website is WNBF.com. Sometimes people say, well, you don't mention Hunter Biden nearly enough on the program. I just did. So check that off my list. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We do have some fun, don't we? Let's see. Let's hopscotch around uh, some of uh, New York State's best newspapers. What's the Time Union reporting? What are they reporting? Ah, this is a story of concern. An Albany man has been charged after allegedly harboring and abusing runaways. 28-year-old man faces charges in Albany. They say he was allegedly harboring runaways at his home. Hmm. Well... I'll have to read more on the, the story. Apparently, the uh, Times Union says the police said the guy may have had several teenagers at his residence. Police arrested him. This point doesn't appear, to, it's not clear how he came into contact with the teens. So he's been charged with felony sex abuse. He's also charged with endangering the welfare of a child, four counts, and criminal cannabis sale, three counts. So that's a story that just was posted, oh, within the last 30 minutes on the Albany Times Union website. So we'll keep an eye on that, see if there's a Binghamton connection. Back to the phones we go. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, Bob. This is Celeste from Binghamton, New York. Um, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Um, um, I was just uh, thinking of politics when we're going to get into the next step of self-government, which I've heard of uh, a couple of times, um, at least. And, and I was thinking if people could combine, you know, science and astrology and religion somehow, whether it's separate or adjointly somehow, and, you know, <laughs> and start thinking about these things, you know, and, and um, doing things about them. Maybe people could um, could get some government out of those things. So you think that might be part of, our, part of the solution? Would that work locally or just at the federal level? I guess start locally somehow and then see what happens with the rest of it. Hmm. That's intriguing. I just, I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. Well, nice of you to say. Yeah, I think about a lot of things, but that's one thing that, that actually never came to mind. And, and so it's intriguing. And I, look, at this point, 
given the need. I mean, I'm not saying thing everything is bad. Sometimes you get that impression from the news, and you know some things are bad, but actually a lot of things are good. But we certainly, we certainly could um, use whatever help we can get. That's right. It's very important. Government ought to give more money to science, a lot more money than what they're doing. They're so materialistic, and we struggle so much. Well, what I think, and and I I certainly don't want to put the nation at risk, but I do think out of the hundreds of billions of dollars that this nation spends every year for defense and on the military, it seems to me that, say, if if even you could take 5% of that, and add it to scientific research, that would be a plus. Because I, oh, be great. somebody told me, who's familiar with how military contracts work, the person told me that sometimes there's a lot of waste in most contracts. So if they just work to get rid of the waste in the defense budget, that would mean a lot of extra money, billions for scientific research, and best of all, billions more for, say, rebuilding the infrastructure here in New York State. Sure, the president now mints money. This is the yeah. first president I've heard of that mints money. <laughs> it's a very creative process. They could be able to just mint the money and give it to them. It seems that they, I think the the solution is within their grasp if only they have the courage to do it. Well, I hope so. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate your call, and I hope you'll keep listening. Oh, thank you. I always do. Thanks. 11.15 WNBF. Oops, we lost a call there. Oh, here's one. Line three. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, it's Vinny calling from Binghamton. Well, welcome, uh, Vinny. Uh, I, I take it you're a longtime listener and a first-time caller. Welcome to our little gab fest. Well, well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I try to be like- polite, especially to the first-time caller. <laughs> well, yes, yes, you are. Hey, let me let me ask you a question, Bob, because maybe I missed it yesterday. I listened to the show. Did anybody call in to say that they were going to watch the Republican debates yesterday? I don't recall anyone saying or threatening to watch the debate. I uh, will yeah, say this. Uh, one of our listeners um, sent me an email claiming, and this is just a short time ago. Let me see. He... <laughs> He apparently watched it. I, I won't name him, but he is uh, he is uh, almost always listening, and he's an occasional caller. And this uh-huh. is what he wrote in his email. And this is just uh, 45 minutes ago. I slammed a shot for every stupid comment I heard during last night's debate. Now I'm paying a very severe price for that if these people in the running for president then we are totally screwed that's a direct quote i didn't embellish and i apologize for the harsh language but that's exactly what one of our listeners wrote so apparently at least one listener actually did view the debate i personally didn't i was watching i won't tell you what i was watching but it it certainly wasn't the debate i i had no need well i'll tell you even though I was a Democrat, I, it's something with politics. And, uh, you know, one to see, well, the Hutchison, the former governor of Arkansas, he didn't even qualify. Yeah, I heard at the last minute. What did you have to get? At least 3% in the polls to, to qualify? I, so, something like that. Something like that. 
But, um, you know, me and my love for history, that's seven people that are one step away from being the president of the United States, possibly being the president of the United States. So I think that's why I watch. That's my reason. And I'm going to tell you, um, it's it. Come on. It's just amazing. I mean, these people, this this is what you ha- this is what happens in politics. You know, there's three people that ran last night that worked with Trump, Mike Pence, Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. Now, there's three people that were in my administration. If I'm Donald Trump, there's three people in my administration say we can do a better job. And then me, who's leading, doesn't even show up. And it's like, wow, this is why it's so important that we cannot sit back. We have to engage. Now, you know that thing with Mendez, with with, uh, uh, the senator there from New Jersey? Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, you got these people talking about. Now, most of it, you can hear most of the noise is coming from perhaps to step down. Now, here's so many Republicans. I mean, yeah, if he did, great. But eh, not really. okay, we'll just sit here and watch what they do. But all these Democrats are coming to say you need to step down a lot more than you saw with George Santos. He's been there for months. That's one. Now you've got all these people want to uh, get go after Joe Biden. Oh, he lied to the American people. He lied to the American people. Half of you guys sitting there talking about Joe Biden lying to the people believe that the vote, uh, uh, the election was stolen. And you know dang well it wasn't, but you're lying. So this is got this is why we have to get clarity. We gotta we gotta call some of these bozos the way they did. I mean, I loved what uh, Chris Christie said last night. He looked right. He said, "Where's the cameras?" I'm gonna look right in the camera. He goes, "Donald Trump," and he goes, "I know you're watching because you can't help it." You know, he got little chuckles, and he talked about. He goes, "You should be here." You want to be the leader and you can't duck? What's wrong? Aren't you a, aren't you proud of what you so-called told everybody? That you want to stay away from two debates? But as I said, if Donald Trump becomes the nominee, Joe Biden's going to tear him up. He is going to tear this guy up. Well, and that, that's why, you know, sadly, that's that's why I think some thoughtful Democrats and independents are are actually trying to help the Republicans. Maybe they don't want necessarily the Republicans to regain the White House in 2024, but I don't think they want the GOP to be totally humiliated in the next election. So I think that uh, some Democrats and independents are are saying, okay, well, try, try to find somebody who's qualified and not what's the right word because I don't want to offend anybody uh, somebody who's not like the former guy I know that's that's a pretty pretty broad definition but there there are this is what I think Vinny is that your name oh. Vinny yes Vinny okay from Binghamton from Bob. Binghamton okay <laughs> I better write that down so I don't forget in case you choose to call don't in question. on on a future program. So what I think is, oh wait, now I got a, my talking points. Hold on a second. I just got my talking points from, uh, yep. hold on. This is from Dan Bongino. Um, Bob, could you mention my program coming up at 1206? I'll have a lot of good talking points that you haven't gotten to, including a lot more exclusive information about what I think about, uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. 
And what do you think about Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we talk about everything but Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. The the former guy in the room. But uh, no, I think that there must be. In fairness, I think there are millions, millions of other very well-qualified Republicans who could make an excellent presidential candidate next year. And certainly not people with the kind of baggage and certainly people who haven't been indicted as much as the former guy. Now, my thought is, and it's just a thought, uh, if I were in charge of a major political party in the United States, I would strive to have my presidential candidate uh, someone who's never been indicted or impeached. Well, I, but I'm going to tell you, they, um, you know, I, I look at Chris Christie and he, he blew it. I told you months ago he blew it. He, he, when he got into that administration, I don't know what in God's name thought he could do to change this guy, but he's tarnished. I mean, they're talking about uh, violence and crime in the major cities and blah, blah, blah. And, and they asked him about it. And he talked about when he was an attorney general down there. And and the point that he made was so true. He goes, listen, this isn't just going on in the cities. He goes, this is going on in the suburbs. This is going on in these rural areas where we've got crime. You know, he's, he said, don't just sit. I know you. I know you. There's a good Republican talking point. All oh, these major cities and they're run by Democrats. No, this is going all over the place, man. This is all over. And he talked about, you know, his record when how many people he had. Um, got and and when he was in new jersey and he made sense he made he, he did he made some sense but he's down in the polls we don't want sensible people we don't want sensible people over here we don't want anybody in the middle of the road in here that's why you got all these democrats that are winning these offices and then they're flipping to be republican party thinking oh i can be a moderate republican there's no such thing anymore not as long there's no such thing as a moderate republican you know, I, what I wish, I know it's it's sad that it can't happen, but I really wish Ronald Reagan was around to comment on what's happened to the party he was a proud member of. Of course, acknowledging that initially Ronald Wilson Reagan was a union man and also was a Democrat. So we know, at, at least at one point, he was a Democrat at some point. Well, and he was a union guy, also uh, a union president. And at some point, something changed because he ultimately became a Republican and then as president became uh, vehemently anti-labor by smashing the um, PATCO, the air traffic control uh, union. But um, you, you really have to wonder what, what Mr. Reagan would think of, of his party, what's transpired oh. since he left us. Oh, I can tell you, Bob. Look what they did to John McCain. He's from that era. Look what they did to John McCain. Look what this guy, you're no, you're, you're no hero. You got caught. I don't like guys that get caught. By the way, can you imagine? And here's another thing. This is, I, I love to use my imagination because it, it can take us to places that you wouldn't even see in a in a fun motion picture. But can you imagine if Ronald Reagan were still active today? Say Ronald Reagan was the same age as the former guy and was potentially uh, running as a as a presidential candidate. How would the former guy treat 
the man who ultimately was beloved by so many traditional Republicans, how would the former guy who once lived in Queens now is living in some sort of highly secure property in the land of wackiness, um, how, how would the former guy treat Ronald Reagan today on social media? I think the same way he treats anybody. Mm-hmm. With disdain, total total disdain, and and showing absolutely no respect. You know, it's one thing. Yep. It's one thing, in my opinion, for people to disagree on issues. I, in fact, well, I, I think it's fine. But what I I think, and whether you're vying for a party's nomination or just talking politics, what I think is you can have disagreement over certain concepts or certain directions that the country should move in but i don't think you have to be mean about it i think i think you can have an intelligent thoughtful and even potentially productive conversation with people with whom you disagree without ever calling them a bad name or trying to criticize something about them well, Bo Bobby, no, that happens usually when they have nothing else to say. They've got, no, they brought nothing more to the table. So they're, they you're saying they, that they're they're out of any other option in their toolbox. That's the absolutely, mm. absolutely. They'll well. start laughing or start calling you names or oh, you're a liberal. You know, I don't. These Republicans, but that, but but Vinny, if that is your name, Vinny uh-huh. from Binghamton, that sounds so childish. Well, it is. This sounds like a childish gambit that that you wouldn't wouldn't expect to see of anybody maybe older than eleven or twelve. It's 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 um you're you're absolutely right. It is childish, and and the thing is, you have to call it out when it is. Now, I know you're the host of the show, but I love calling it and calling it out. Well, I'm. I'm glad that I, I hope you'll call in the future. I appreciate your joining our little gab fest. It's 1128 at WNBF. My name is Bob Joseph, and I'll be here for approximately 30 more minutes. So if you have uh, an authorized device on the network, punch in 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Cashback is not available. News Radio 1290. WNBF. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. WNBF, not afraid to duck the issues. Let's go back to the phones. Port Crane, Rob, you're on the air. Hi there, Bob. Hey, listen, out of my respect for Bob from Vestal, I haven't been calling, you know, because politics really does ruin this show. But as long as you and Vinny went there, 
I'm, I want to talk about some of this new evidence against the Biden crime family that you say doesn't exist. At the House press conference yesterday that Claudia Tenney attended, they introduced 700 more pages of evidence given by two of Biden's business associates, right? 23 countries now were involved. It's over $20 million that the Biden, Biden family received, and the Chinese even sent $250,000 directly to Joe's residence. I mean, that, that evidence doesn't exist in addition to the six bank records showing more, another $20 million, the, the 1023 form. None of this stuff, you know, you don't get it, Bob. There's no evidence still. Not nine Biden family members and 20 shell companies. That That's not evidence? If that's not evidence, can you please tell me what it is? Because I don't think it's BS. I think what you said is... I think it's Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I think it's a bunch of Bravo Sierra, Bob. <laughs> well... I, I haven't actually had the opportunity to re, uh, review the 700 pages of so-called evidence uh, at this time. I, uh, at some point, may have that opportunity. I see that uh, uh, a lot of people believe that this could uh, possibly constitute the smoking gun and could ultimately lead to serious problems for Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and perhaps, who knows, Dr. Jill Biden. A after... The process moves forward. We're very early in the process. Oh, oh, we're not early in the process. I mean, they got so much evidence. No, I'm not. Hey, you could have all the evidence in the world, including a video of uh, some member of the uh, purported crime family shooting someone on Fifth Avenue and, and video from 25 different angles. Doesn't mean anything till you get a, a conviction. Well, let's just say that. Uh, bribery is still a treasonable offense, and treason is punishable by death. If it can be proven. If it can be proven in the court of law. I have I have plenty of plenty of uh, past history. You know, I read a lot, and I'll tell you, there, there's plenty of cases to be made that have been made in the past. And uh, uh, let me see. Benedict Arnold comes to mind. Oh, you know? please. Come on, Rob. Don't compare Joe Biden with Benedict Arnold. Bob Scranton Joe took took money from 23 countries. We're at war with Russia. We're in a proxy war with Russia. We're going to have a world war, a nuke war soon because of Joe Biden's corruption. The only reason we're if we have a nuke war, it's not going to be because of Joe Biden. It's going to be because of uh, Vlad Putin. No, Bob. This started in 2014 when the U.S. had a coup. Do you remember Victoria Nuland saying "f the EU"? We, we want Yox in there. That's our guy. Do you remember any of this stuff? It's not that long ago. It's only eight, nine years ago, Bob. What a short memory, you, you Democrats and whatever. Don't say, don't accuse me of being a Democrat. Come on, Rob, show me a little respect. Never have been a Democrat, and I don't intend to become a Democrat. I don't intend to register with any political party. I've never been registered with a political party, and I've said that repeatedly on the program. So don't call me a Democrat, and don't call me a liberal. Bob, after just listening to you and Vinny for 15 minutes, you sure sounded an awful lot like a Democrat. You agree with everything he, everything he said. Everything. And that was 15 minutes of my life, man. I'd love to have that, because that was just verbal diarrhea from start to finish. But how do you really feel? Well, I, I don't like Vinny. He, I think he's the most hated caller you've ever had on the show. But why do you do. Wh you disagree with him? But why do you hate him? 
Bob, because I, I don't hate him. I, I don't like what he does. He calls and he stirs the two-party pot. This isn't about two parties, Republicans and Democrats. This is about globalists, people that have signed on to the Great Reset. You know, Klaus Schwab's plan, you'll have nothing by 2030 and you'll be happy. This is all what it's about. It's not about Republican and Democrat, no matter how much garbage you and Vinny talk about. That's what it's about. It's about the Great Reset. Two weeks ago, you told me you were familiar with the Great Reset. So if you are, then you're complicit in this mess, Bob. This is a plan they Well, I, I, I vehemently disagree with that statement. I, I disagree in the strongest possible way. I am not complicit. Bob. You, you know that. It's one world government. It's under U.N. control. And I don't support that. Let me categorically and, and as loud as I can say without getting in trouble with the transmitter engineer, let me say I am not for that. Well, good. I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I wish you'd do some shows about it and talk about this great reset plan that Joe Biden and them have signed on to. These globalists have signed on to this plan. And, Bob, they, they wrote it down. The World Economic Forum wrote it down. They have conferences. Their, their plan, besides us owning nothing by 2030 and being happy, is they want to reduce the world's population to under 1 billion people by 2030. Now, how do you uh, really, they're not going to – they can talk about it. They're not going to eliminate 7 billion people over the next seven years. Bob, Klaus Schwab claims to have infiltrated 50% of the world's government. Hey, he can claim it. I don't believe it. Look at what Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, and the rest of these clowns are doing. They're, they're destroying this this entire world. This, this is what they're lining up for. And it started way back. Well, I don't know if it started way back. But the first president I remember talking about it was George H.W. Bush, the New World Order. Well, I'll say this. I didn't think it was a particularly splendid idea to put a former CIA director in the Oval Office. No, and it's not good to put a dementia patient in the Oval Office either, which is what we got now. Well, I appreciate your call. I mean, you certainly have nothing, no professional experience to base that diagnosis. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna castigate the commander in chief. Yes, I know he's older than you, and yes, he he may not be as articulate as some of us. That doesn't mean he's incapable of leading the free world. More calls coming up. I'm Bob Joseph. What's your opinion? 607-772-1290. This is WNBF. To be... Pass away. I've been thinking of our future cause I'll never see those days. I don't know why this has happened, but I probably deserve it. I tried to do my best, but you know that I'm not perfect. I've been praying for forgiveness, you've been praying for my health. When I leave this earth, hoping you'll find someone else. Cause yeah, we still young, there's so much we haven't done. Getting married, start a family, watch your husband with 
with his son. I wish it could be me, but I won't make it off this bed. I hope I go to heaven so I see you once again. My life was kinda short, but I got so many blessings. Happy you were mine. It sucks that it's a landing. Well, happy radio. Happy Thursday. WNBF. Martin in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, Bob. I don't wonder if anybody, I don't think I've been listening, I don't think anybody's talked about Cassidy Hutchinson's new book that came out. No, nobody's brought it up. Boy, that's a, that's a page turner. Called Enough. Yes, I've watched her on many uh, interviews, and there's just so much to digest. But um, from the top, though, you know, she testified, and she went into isolation, and she was scared, of course, <clears throat> for her um, safety and everything else, and her parents were really scared for her and everything else. But so, so she was ruminating and wondering, she just, there's somebody I got to talk to. Is there somebody I can talk to? And she found this guy and Alexander Butterfield who was in Watergate and he was similar to her. Well, actually she was much higher, but he, he was down the totem pole, but he testified in Watergate and uh, against Nixon and uh, that he knew about the tapings that was going on. And He's in his 90s, and they bond, they bonded, and he went ahead and told her, you have to do this. You you have to keep going. You should write your book. You have to stop this chaos. And um, But to get, you know, so the, the more of the main points, on page 181, is Trump admitted that, you know, we lost this. She said it's in front of Mark Meadows. We lost this, but I don't want people to know this because this is embarrassing. And then also about Kevin McCarthy. What did he say the following day on January 7th? He was down there saying Trump definitely is sole responsible for this. She worked for Mark Meadows many times, seeing Mark Meadows burning things and in papers, burning regular papers in the um, fireplace. Now, they have papers. They have box, boxes that if you want to start a fire, you know, that's what you use. So, and also witnessed, oh, this is creepy. Donald Trump asked her, now she's has dark hair. Can you put some blonde highlights in your hair for me, please? Can you, could you do that? Now, if that's not creepy. Um, and and, and uh, another one is um, about Matt Gates. Matt Gates said that he dated her. They went out, that's not true. He never dated her. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a page turner. She's been there and she knows, you know, about Mark Meadows that I, I, I already testified and I testified under oath. I will testify again. There's going to be a lot coming up. And I just hope that Mark Meadows does the right thing. And that the scary thing though, is that he did this once and he will definitely do it again. He's got nothing to lose. And so I'm surprised nobody has said anything has called in on this. Yeah, well, maybe we'll focus more on the book on our program tomorrow because there is there is a lot to digest there. I, I don't have the book, but I have read a number of uh, stories based on interviews of uh, what she has told various organizations, uh, the CNN, the... Uh, MSNBC. I, I don't know that she's been on the Fox yet, but uh, I think she'd be good. You know, uh, Sean Hannity ought to have have her on his program because maybe Sean could learn a few things about his um, 
his friend, the former guy. I, I think I think that would be useful, not just for Sean Hannity, but also for his audience who may not have heard some of what Cassidy Hutchinson has written. Yes, and on, on, uh, one of the more um, toxic things about Trump is that, well, we all know that, he'll exploit, he'll pick people out. He'll know, and he'll exploit them as far as he can, take them down, ring them out just for himself, get as far as he can with them, and then abandon them. And, you know, we've seen that. He doesn't care about anybody except number one. Appreciate your call. It's 1146 at WNBF. Roger in Chokina, you're on the air. Morning, Bob. Uh, I would just like to, I, I think we're going to a, a very dangerous spot on this Menendez thing because it used to be in America, you weren't persecuted for something that you allegedly did until it was proven. And <clears throat> this Menendez, uh, so far, the it's alleged evidence that they have, but yet for some reason, before anything is proven in court, all these Democrats are telling him to quit. Well, I thought we were assumed innocent until proven guilty, and I'm not a I'm a Republican, so I don't have a personally a, a dog in this fight. But it seems to me like we should wait until something is proven before we go calling for uh, Menendez to resign. No, I think Republicans are, are relishing this because if there is a trial in the Menendez case, it's likely to happen right before the election next year. So it probably means, especially since Menendez has given every indication he intends to seek another term, despite his uh, indictment, I think, I think the Republicans believe that this is a Senate seat that's going to be an easy win and and ultimately they can regain control of the U.S. Senate, whereas Democrats also understand what's at play here and Democrats desperately want to uh, maintain their tenuous hold on the Senate. So that's to be sure. It's political. It's not personal. And that's one of the reasons why I think the majority of Senator Menendez's um, colleagues in that august body, his, his Democratic colleagues, are calling for him to resign. They want to retain the majority in the 2024 election. And if he is still uh, jammed up with these serious allegations, he and his wife, uh, I would say it's uh, virtually certain that a Republican candidate whether it's Zippy the Chimp or somebody else uh, running for the Senate seat in New Jersey would win easily. So it's not personal, it's political. Well, correct, but my question is, the Democrats have Menendez. He does have a chairmanship of a uh, foreign relations, I believe. Um, why are they in such a hurry to get rid of the guy? I just explained Politically, get get rid of the bad news. Have uh, New Jersey's governor appoint someone, 
whether it's someone who actually wants to run for a full six-year term or just a placeholder so uh, a decent Democratic candidate could emerge. But get rid of Menendez as quickly as possible and put this spate of bad publicity behind the party. Otherwise, it's going to weigh things down and Republicans will have a better chance of, of winning in uh, 2024 and, and probably regaining control of the Senate. Well, just suppose Menendez is innocent. Well, that's I know. I'm not saying it's fair to him or his wife. I'm explaining why the Democrats are taking the approach they are now. It's not fair. It's political. Um, this is true. Yes. Thank you. This is true. And again, they secretly, they might be telling Senator Menendez, hey, we... If the circumstances and the timing were different, we would not be publicly calling on you to resign right away. But look at the optics, and we need you to leave. We need you to leave yesterday so we can help the public forget about this nastiness. But a greater victory for the Democrats would be if Menendez went to trial and is found not guilty. They're not willing to take that chance. I, I just, it just something doesn't smell right. It's true. It's politics. Politics never smells right. But um, anyhow, on the debate, uh, I didn't watch the debate. I've seen bits and pieces of it. And uh, there's uh, two people in the debate, Christie and Pence, that are at the absolute bottom of the pile and vast majority of Republicans don't want to even see them in it because they're just trying to disrupt things. And Christie calling, referring to President Trump as Donald Duck, I can think of a cartoon character I could refer to Christie as, but I'm not going to. Thank you. Appreciate your call. No, hey, I don't think it was right for Governor Christie to use that phrase and for those of you who didn't hear it let's uh let's cue this up from my big stack of digital stuff so in case you didn't hear it this is what we're referencing and i i for one i was shocked you're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. I want to ask about... See? And I, I was shocked that Chris Christie would say that on live TV. It's 11.52 on WNBF. My name's Bob Joseph. Stay tuned. This is the Thursday edition. Welcome. Joseph, about ready to get in my car and drive, baby. 119. You'll see me zooming through Tioga County. Heading to Elmira. Why 119? Why not 120? Okay. And Topper. Jesse and Owego, you're on the air. Yeah, we have a ton of fun this week. I oh, fun, 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 fun for everyone. 
You can't beat it, but I will give Bob from Vestal high accolades. He's my favorite all-time caller, so if no one likes it, oh well, too bad for them. Anyway, we, we are having quite a very interesting week. Now, by the way, tell me about the debate. I understand you did watch the big debate. Well, I'm still paying the price. That's why, I, you know, at my age, Bob, I'm getting too old for hangovers. But I said, I am going to slam a shot. And I did the Keela Rose. And I said, I, I'm going to take a shot for every stupid comment that I hear. Oh, my gosh. Whew, you know. I'll be lucky if I'll be able to call in tomorrow for the music Friday. But like I said, Iggy Pop's going to pop into my mind. So, eh. Who, in your opinion, since you put yourself through that torture, who who do you think, if there was a winner to be declared, who was the winner in that, uh, that, that live I, TV event? I really didn't see one because they they went off the hinges in different directions. I'm like, wait a minute. We need well, what's this thing more... about Donald Duck? What what the heck was Chris Christie thinking when he said that? Because he's not going by policies. He's going by hate. And you got to remember, he's the swap spitter on the Brooklyn Bridge that shut down for two and a half hours. Hugging Obama. No, I, you know, it doesn't matter what this guy says. He compromised everything. All because he wanted to look good. And don't forget what he did on the beach. Oh, when we couldn't. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks. The image of Chris Crispy on the beach is something I'm not going to be able to get out of my mind. So thanks for ending the show on such a high note. Thank you, Jesse Nuego. Thanks to everybody who called, and thank you for listening this morning. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back here tomorrow. WNBF. It's wonderful. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.